Alright, what up? How we doing? Welcome back. It's been a while. Episode 52 of the Wide Right Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Honey. As always, over Elite Sports New York and Elite Sports Radio Network. A lot of stuff to talk about today. A lot of stuff to get to. A lot of stuff to discuss. And the Giants didn't even play this past week. Giants haven't even played in over a week. And there's still a lot of stories to uh, converse over, talk about. DeAndre Baker news, Mark Colombo getting fired, the fake report that Mark Colombo and Joe Judge got into a fist fight, which I cannot believe was even a tweet to begin with. A lot of stuff to discuss. So I guess we'll start with the big news that doesn't even really involve the Giants anymore. It's not a player that the Giants employ anymore. But nonetheless, it is a player that they drafted in 2019, and that is DeAndre Baker. So as we all know, DeAndre Baker back in May was accused of uh, armed robbery and aggravated assault, was charged with four counts of each, and uh, after an alleged uh, incident at a cookout in Miramar, Florida, Baker eventually turned himself in, was charged with those eight counts. He eventually ended up on the commissioner's exempt list, and the Giants released him prior to the regular season. So he was out of football. I believe the trial the trial was supposed to the court date was supposed to be in January. Uh and it looked as if Baker was going to be facing life in prison. But now he's good. He's not going to be going to prison. He got off. And why did he get off? William Dean who was apparently the attorney for three of the four alleged victims, was arrested last week on an extortion charge connected to DeAndre Baker's case. So, the Broward County State Attorney subsequently dropped the charges against Baker. I know what you're all thinking after, you know, right after you saw that tweet or the news, wherever you saw the news, were the Giants going to bring him back? Now, he was a free agent. He was able to sign with any team. And was there a part of me that wanted the Giants to bring him back? Sure, yeah. He was bad last year. I will admit that. There was an effort-related controversy he experienced last year. I will admit that. But he improved down the stretch. And don't forget, the Giants gave up three picks in order to draft him back in 2019. They didn't have that number 30 overall pick originally. That was the Seahawks. They gave the Seahawks three picks in order to trade back into the first round and draft DeAndre Baker. So if you're giving up three picks for a guy, at least at least get something out of him. At least, you know, maybe he won't start right away, but at least try to get something out of him considering what you gave up to get him. Not to mention that other cornerback spot opposite James Bradbury has not been consistent, really. Isaac Yadam is okay, but not consistent. Ryan Lewis is likely the best option at that spot, but he's been on IR and needs to miss at least one more game before he comes back. Corey Ballantine wasn't good, now he's with the Jets. So, Baker would probably be the most talented among the aforementioned options. And, um, you know, I, so yeah, there's a, there's a possibility that I wanted him back in New York. See what they could get out of him. 
Uh, and Baker said he'd love to be back with the Giants and actually put up an Instagram story of him in New York. But as we all know, Joe Judge wants to establish a certain culture. So that's that. And the Giants didn't bring him back. And now the Chiefs swooped in and picked him up and signed him to the practice squad. I believe the Instagram story was just because Baker was back in New York to collecting his things. And then he met with the Chiefs thereafter. And he, they signed him to the practice squad. So now he's on a potential Super Bowl contending roster. So I, I, I that's pretty... I mean, Ian Rappaport said low-risk, high-reward addition for one of the NFL's best teams, close quote. And he's right. He's absolutely right. And I'm, am I happy for Baker? Yeah, absolutely. Good for him. I don't think I'm in the wrong for wishing him luck. Dude went from facing life in prison to one of the best teams in the league. Good for him. And if you saw that game last night, the Sunday night game with the Chiefs and Raiders, you definitely know they are one of the they're they're pretty good. Their quarterback's pretty good. I think we all know that. I think that's been established for a couple years at this point. So good for Baker. Happy for him. As I just said, dude went from facing life in prison to on one of the best teams in the league, potential Super Bowl contender. So. That's uh, that's pretty good situation to be in for him right now. Uh, moving forward, what else we got? Graham Gano, Giants place kicker, who's probably on pace to make the Pro Bowl. He's only missed one kick this year, only missed one field goal. I believe he's 21 of 22, and I think, what, 16 is 16 maybe from extra point? He's been fantastic. But on Tuesday morning, it was announced that a Giants player had tested positive for COVID-19. It wasn't initially announced who tested positive exactly, but later on it was reported that it was indeed Graham Gano. Gano, by the way, signed a three-year extension after the win over the Eagles last week, so congratulations to him. Uh, he deserves it. Obviously, he's been fantastic, especially coming off that leg injury he had last year. $14 million in new money, $9.5 million guaranteed. And he, uh, But yeah, he tested positive. Tested positive for this lingering coronavirus. So now he's on the reserve COVID-19 list because the Giants are on a bye week. There's a chance he may come back. Uh, or the, since Because the Giants were on a bye week when he tested positive, there's a chance he could come back and be back in time for this Week 12 matchup in Cincinnati. That's upcoming. That'll be arriving this Sunday. Uh, if the Giants, if, if Gano is not good to go for the Giants, they got reinforcements. Okay, They're always a step ahead. They signed Ryan Santoso from the practice squad. Santoso is both a kicker and a punter. And uh, could come in handy if Gano is not able to participate in the matchup in Cincinnati. Other news as far as COVID. Matt Parrott, Dante Pettis, Caden Smith also tested positive. So they're unlikely to go against Cincinnati. They tested positive later in the week last week. Gano was tested positive earlier in the week. Uh... So Parrott, Pettis, and Caden Smith are probably not going to suit up for the game against Cincinnati. And Pettis, Pettis has yet to play a game for the Giants this year and was recently claimed off waivers. Uh, so they are just going to need to go with other options with, you know, as far as what they are going to, how they're going to utilize them. They're just going to need to go with other options at that point. As far as Caden Smith is concerned, the Giants are probably going to have to utilize Levine Toilolo a bit more as a blocking tight end. And since they won't have Matt Parrott, the rookie offensive tackle out of UConn, they're left with two tackles, Andrew Thomas and Cam Fleming. So they won't be able to use that three-man rotation that's been working, that's defying all odds, and that's going against the belief that you need continuity as an offensive line. 
Giants can't use that rotation this week, most likely. So it's just going to be Thomas, Fleming, figure it out from there. Maybe they have Fleming go take some reps on the left side, Thomas on the right, instead of the usual Thomas at left, Fleming at right. Who knows? Um, Especially with this new offensive line coach now. Who really knows? And uh, speaking of the offensive line, probably the biggest news of the week. And we talked about DeAndre Baker getting his charges dropped. And this somehow is the biggest story of the week with the Giants. The firing of offensive line coach Mark Colombo, a move that was definitely a surprise at first considering the recent improvement and development of the offensive line. Uh, and especially considering it was a it was a surprise, especially considering Colombo was just hired this past offseason, uh, was the Cowboys of line Cowboys offensive line coach last year, so he came over to East Rutherford with Jason Garrett. And as I said before, the offensive line had been improving. Andrew Thomas had been improving, rookie first rounder. The rotation at tackle, as I just said before, was working as well with Thomas, Cam Fleming, and Matthew Parrott. So, it was initially a surprise they fired him and brought in Dave DeGuglielmo. De DeGuglielmo coached the very successful 2018 Colts offensive line that led, that led the league with 18 allowed sacks. So yeah, I was kind of stunned. What I saw on Twitter, a lot of beat writers were stunned. Surprising move. But then, more information come out, came out. Okay? More information is released. Apparently, Joe Judge wanted to bring in DeGuglielmo to be a sort of consultant and help out with the offensive line. The offensive line is obviously his area of expertise. And Colombo basically believed that Judge was undermining him, saying, what do you mean you're bringing another guy in? I can do what needs to be done. I'm capable of, you know, carrying out the responsibilities and requirements of my job. I'm not saying that's exactly what he said, but that's basically most likely what he meant. So Colombo believed that Judge was undermining him and his reaction and the subsequent argument led to his firing. Okay, Colombo did not like the idea, argued with Judge. Apparently, according to Kim Jones of NFL Network and WFAN, uh, she believes that Colombo called Judge, quote, one of the dirtiest words in the English, la- English language, close quote. I don't know, I'm not sure what that word may be, but... It's apparently one of the dirtiest words in the English language. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Judge, Joe Judge doesn't tolerate selfishness. In other words, excuse my language, you don't take any shit, which we should all love. Now he, Colombo basically acted selfish, said, no, I'm not going to let you do, I don't want you to do what's best for the team because I don't want you to undermine me. And Judge said, fine, see you later. That's what a head coach should do. That's the attitude and demeanor a head coach should carry. Ben McAdoo never did anything like that. Pat Shermer never did anything like that. The only time Ben McAdoo made a change that he thought was best for the team was benching Eli, which was actually worse for the team. (laughs) And I don't think we need to get into that because that was one of the worst moments in the history of this franchise. One of the worst moments for the history of this fan base. Judge doesn't take any shit. And I love it. You should love it. Giants fans should love it. Giants writers, you know, reporters, podcasters all should love it. 
Now, there was also a report from Jason McIntyre of Fox Sports Radio that was immediately denied. He was apparently told that Judge and Colombo got into his fist fight and Colombo, quote, got the better of him and Judge fired him instantly, close quote. There is just zero chance in hell. Okay, believe Kim Jones before you believe Jason McIntyre. And Kim Jones basically said, you know, the Giants have come out and said there was no shot, there was no fight at all. There was no fist fight whatsoever. So believe believe Kim Jones before you believe Jason McIntyre. Basically, believe Kim Jones before you believe anyone else in this industry, pretty much. Kim Jones is the voice of reason. Um, so this all happened on Wednesday. Judge later that day addressed the news and, sta- and stated, we appreciate... Excuse me, quote, we appreciate what Mark has done, but I felt like this move is in the best interest of the team. Close quote. That quote is courtesy of SNY's Ralph Vacchiano. So the deed is done. The verbal damage is done. Colombo is gone. And the Guglielmo is here to coach the offensive line moving forward. Now, the Guglielmo is a proven great offensive line coach. But I would be lying if I said I wasn't concerned that this would harm or at least hinder the development of the offensive line. Because the, I understand the rotation is working with the Giants' tackle, and the Giants have had a little bit of rotation at guard, bringing Shane Lemieux in. Kevin Zeitler got hurt um, in the last game, so Will Hernandez came in and played right guard when he when he usually plays left, and it still worked. But I do get nervous when there isn't some sort of continuity at a level such as the offensive line coach. Like, if you're just bringing in a new offensive line coach midseason, that sort of scares me a little bit, especially when the offensive line was certainly improving and developing over the course of the year and doing it at a consistent rate. Um, so I I think I'm worried that a coaching change, regardless of who is gone and who is now brought in, would sort of harm that, would sort of... I guess, hinder that development. Uh, but then again, you know, as I said, this offensive line has sort of denied that the whole continuity thing is legitimate. You know, they're, they're succeeding with guys playing at multiple spots. They're conceding, they're succeeding with a three-man rotation to tackle. Which team, what other team does that? That's right, no other team does that. So it's, you know, they're defying the odds and they're sort of denying that continuity is a legitimate requirement. So, Hopefully the development improves or is even sped up, but we'll ultimately see next Sunday, or this coming Sunday rather, when the Giants take on the Bengals in a very winnable game, a game that they will not be facing Joe Burrow due to his torn ACL. Uh, Shout out to Joe Burrow. Best wishes on a speedy recovery. Uh, And the last thing I want to discuss before I let you guys go. O'Shane Zimenez and Xavier McKinney coming back. Maybe not coming back right away, but the next step in their return to the field was taken by the New York Giants organization on Monday. So this Monday, November 23rd, today, rather, the Giants designated O'Shane Zimenez and Xavier McKinney to return to practice. Giants now obviously have a 21-day window to activate them off of injured reserve or else they will remain on IR for the rest of the season. This is pretty big because this is we're in the final stretch of the year already. 6 games left and every single team in the NFC East has 3 wins. It's horrendous, it's putrid, but you know what? Regardless of what the records are, Giants are tied for second place in the NFC East. And if a couple different things happen this coming week, 
They're in first place. So it's, you know, they're playing meaningful games now. And their defense has been relatively strong all year. And the fact that they're getting two guys back from injury is big. Even if they're not, even if it's O'Shane Zimenez, who hasn't been the most impact player thus far in his career, and Xavier McKinney, who hasn't played a game in his career yet. He's a rookie. Um, but regardless, they could use Zimenez uh, greatly. They greatly need someone like Zimenez, considering they're all of a sudden lacking pass rush depth. I mean, at the beginning of the year, they had Zimenez, um, Kyler Fackrell, Lorenzo Carter, Marcus Golden, and then they had, you know, O'Shane Zimenez suffered a shoulder injury against the Rams. And then Lorenzo Carter suffered the Achilles injury. He's out for the year the next week. And then Marcus Golden got traded to the Cardinals. So right now it's just Kyler Fackrell and Trent Harris who started the last two games. So they could definitely use Zimenez because they definitely need, you know, depth at the pass rushing in you know in the pass rushing department. They definitely need guys. That's what I said all year. I don't care who you throw who you send to rush the quarterback. Just send guys. Consistently rush the passer. Don't give opposing quarterbacks time to throw the ball and make decisions. That's what I've said every single week. Does not matter who the opponent is, who the quarterback is. So Zimenez potentially coming back soon, potentially coming back as early as this Sunday's game against Cincinnati is huge for that department. Um, he's going to need to step up alongside Kyler Frackerel as well as Trent Harris. I'm not sure if Zimenez is going to start once he returns, uh, but within Patrick Graham's scheme-based defense. It doesn't really matter who starts. Everyone's going to find time one way or another. And then you got McKinney. So Xavier McKinney was obviously likely the top safety in this year's draft class, Giants. He somehow fell to the second round. The Giants picked him up in the second round. And he has not played a game yet. He fractured his foot back in August during training camp. So if McKinney comes back this week, I don't think he's going to start at all the rest of the year. But he'll find some playing time. He's very versatile. He could play, you know, he can come up and stop the run. He's aggressive. He could play up near the he can play up near the line of scrimmage in the box like Jabril Peppers does. Uh he's very versatile, athletic, aggressive. He's a good guy to have and he's a good guy to add to this already strong defense. Um and uh, honestly, he'll bring even more versatility to the safety group. I mean, the safety group already has, you know, I think Julian Love is versatile. Jabril Peppers obviously is. Logan Ryan is. Logan Ryan's a, uh, probably the best athlete of the three. Um, actually, no. Peppers is... I'd say Logan Ryan is the most versatile safety they have. Peppers may be the best athlete. But regardless, when you have a safety tandem, four safe, a, a, a group of four safeties that are Julian Love, Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers, and now Xavier McKinney, that's versatility central. I mean, that's just absurd. So hopefully McKinney lives up to the you know potential that he carries. Hopefully he lives up to what everyone thinks the type of player that everyone thinks he's going to be. And uh, you know we'll go from there. Again, I don't think he'll start, but he will at least add uh, you know some sort of versatility, and he will definitely find playing time within this Patrick Graham-led defensive unit. And I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see if he can live up to his potential, live up to his expectations, and ultimately make a difference on this Giants defense. But the Giants are going to need to activate them before anything. So they have 21 days to activate them officially off of IR. If they don't do that, they go back on IR. They remain on IR, rather, for the rest of the year. So the Giants got to activate them before anything. So let's just hope that this next step in, you know, activating them works out.
Let's hope there's not a setback in either injury, whether it's Zimenez's shoulder injury or, or McKinney's foot fracture. Let's just hope there's not a setback at all. Um, and they'll be ready to go. They and they could possibly be ready to go for this upcoming matchup against Cincinnati. And the Giants could be in first place with a win. Unbelievable. Okay, on I cannot believe I'm saying this. On November 23rd, going into Week 12, the Giants could be in first place in the NFC East with a win. Uh, Washington's got a win on Thanksgiving. The Washington football team's got to defeat uh, the Cowboys. And then the Eagles have got to lose to Seattle. And then the Giants got to beat the Bengals. And then the Giants will be in first place. So Washington's got to win. And then Giants got to win. Eagles got to lose. That's what needs to happen. If you're a Giants fan, you're going to want... You'd rather the Washington football team win. You'd rather the Giants be neck and neck with Washington because they own the tiebreakers over Washington. They do not own them over Dallas right now considering the Giants lost the only meeting thus far with Dallas. Uh, But the Giants could be in first place uh, with a win and a couple other things this week. And as I said before, that's unbelievable. This season is weird. This year is just... Everything in 2020 is just strange and unpredictable and weird. Everything is absolutely, positively weird. You know, there's just no other way to put it. There's just no other way to go about it. Um, But, let's not question it. Giants win the game. Washington wins the game. Seattle beats Philly. Giants are in first place. We'll go from there. Uh, But, we will have, per usual, our preview of the upcoming Giants game uh, this time around against the Cincinnati Bengals later on in the week, probably Thursday or Friday that goes up. But until then, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 52 of the Wide Right Podcast. As always, I am your host, Ryan Honey of Elite Sports New York and Elite Sports Radio Network. Follow me on Twitter, at Ryan Honey, E-S-N-Y. That's at Ryan Honey, E-S-N-Y. Listen to and subscribe to the Wide Right Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And all right, I'm out of here.